So what a, uh, what a wild ride the last few weeks have been. Sitting back there um, last Friday, a week ago Friday, and I was finishing up my slides and everything for Sunday when I got the call. My brother-in-law was actually in the uh, ambulance when he called me, and uh, I mean, he was hysterical, and he said, Doug, are you, are you by yourself? I said, yes, and he said, Can, is anybody around? I said, no. He said, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, and he said, I've got some horrible news. He said, your mom and, and your dad and your sister were killed in a, in a horrible accident. And I really didn't know how to process that. And, and then I heard the paramedics tell him he had to get off the phone because um, he, was, he was actually in the ambulance. They were trying to do vital signs and all that stuff. And uh, so it just started this whole long week of, of stuff. But, but what I want to tell you is that, that God is good. God is faithful. And I consider myself lucky to have had my dad for 91 years, my mom for 87 years, my sister was 56, and really that's the, that's the X factor in this whole deal because sis had been taking care of mom and dad for over 25 years. And uh, so we never imagined doing this alone without sis, you know, because she's the one that lived there. So be in prayer for, for her husband, who, who they actually had to pull him off of her. She was, he was doing CPR, and she was, they all died instantly, but he, he just was hoping that he could revive her, and the paramedics had to pull him off and, and say, we're sorry, sir, but, but she's gone. And so he's, he's the one that really we're worried about, that he's going to have all of this you know, post-traumatic stress and all of this stuff. And then his two daughters, uh, one of them is, is well-adjusted in this world, and, and the other one's not. And so uh, if you'll pray for Angie and Emily over the weeks and months ahead, and for David, my, my brother-in-law, we would appreciate that. Um, so let's jump back in. We had a week off. I appreciate Joe coming, and I, I heard it was a wonderful service last week, and, and you guys have just overwhelmed me. And, and in fact, um, I'll probably make it through the service, but if any more of you hug me, I'm probably going to break down and, and cry, not because I'm sad. That, that's not it. I mean, yeah, I call mom every Saturday, and you know, I'd say, hey, mama, and she'd say, she'd say, Hi, babe, you know, and I miss that, but, but I know where my parents are. I know where my sister is, but, but I just got to tell you that, that there's been so many times this last week that just weird stuff sets me off, and, and I cry, and, and so um, after I was at the funeral home picking up all of their personal effects, I thought I was done, and, and I get back in the, in the van. We had a rental van, and, and I look on Facebook, and, and Tina and, and Kylie posted something. I just lost it. I'm boohooing there in the, in the parking lot, and and then when I got home yesterday, we, we went straight to the promise. We, we came down and spent the night with some friends and went to the promise because we wanted to hang out with folks and we wanted to go to something, you know, that was cool. So we didn't get back to Palestine until last night. And so our neighbor brought over all the mail and, and I don't know, between 50 and 75 cards from people. And I just started crying again just because, because the love was overwhelming. Um, and, and that's why I'm crying, not because I'm sad. Yes, I miss them, but I'm going to see them again. We had, we had an incredible service on Wednesday, and, and we celebrated their lives, and we walked out of that place knowing that there is a God, knowing that, that you know, in, in tough times, you can stand on this thing, because it's true. And, and if, it, if it doesn't work w- during this time, then it doesn't ever work, right? And, and I really believe this stuff I've been feeding you. And so I run to this, and, and God says it's going to be okay, because I've read the last chapter, and I know we win. And I know that we'll get to see them. And I know that my daddy's not bent over anymore. My dad's not. For the first time in 30 years, my dad can stand up straight. Um, mom, mom was starting to lose her mind a little bit. And she was forgetting stuff. And, and, and we talked about, you know, my sister. It was a year when we had the, the graveside service. 
it was a year and a day after we had buried her son who was tragically killed. And so anyway, all of this to tell you that, that my family, we're going to be okay. Um, I just, I just want to tell you how much I love you people and how much I love being here. And, and last week, you know, I started to go to mom and dad's church and I thought, there's no way I'm making it through that. So we watched it. Janie and I watched a couple of different services on, on uh, TV. And then, you know, we were praying for you guys while y'all were worshiping and uh, just, just needed to share all that. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I guess we'll get going on that here in a second. Um, we've, we've looked at four elements of your shape. If you have your listening guide, by the way, if you're on you version looking for it, it's not there. Didn't get it done. So, uh, just get over that. Um, we've looked at four areas of your shape. We've looked at spiritual gift, heart, abilities, and personality. And, uh, we're discovering that every person has a unique shape. Now, if we were to go to the airport today and we were to go to the luggage claim and we were to take every piece of luggage off and compare pieces of luggage, would we find any two um, pieces of luggage that was packed exactly the same way? Heavens no. I mean, in your own family, you don't even pack alike, right? Unless you're the one doing the packing, unless you're one of those OCD ladies um, that, that packs everything for everybody. It's not going to be the same, right? And even then, it's going to be different sizes for different people. Likewise, there's no two people that are exactly alike. God has created us differently. Your, rep, your, your life, if you'll just remember, let me go through this quickly. Your life is represented by this suitcase. We said that every person is a creation of God, but not every person is a child of God. Every person has the capacity to know God, but not every person is a child of God. The only way, according to the Bible, according to this word, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way to get to heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. And so when you decide, when an individual decides to pray and ask Christ to come into their hearts, then we said that this cross kind of represents Jesus coming to take up residence in your life. And now, because God's Holy Spirit lives in you, you now have the capacity to communicate with a living God. You didn't have it before. Without Christ, the natural man has no understanding of the things of God because they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. But when you come to Christ, you have every opportunity, the Bible says, to have the mind of Christ. But it's not just that. Whenever the Holy Spirit comes, he brings gifts, at least one spiritual gift. And that's what we're going to start next week. We're going to start really unpacking all of the gifts. And we're going to look at them uh, specifically, and then we're going to help you decide which one you think you might be leaning towards. So we said that, that all of that uh, goes in when, when you accept Christ. But here's the other thing. God gave you some things that you love, some things that you're passionate about, some things that, that make your heart beat a little bit faster. That's what this represents. And so we said we've got to figure out what it is that God wants us to know. We've got to figure out what God put us on this planet to do. And the way you do that is to figure out your shape. So we said that spiritual gifts determine what we are to do in the church. That's the first one on your listening guide. Another factor in your shape is your heart. And we said that, that um, this, the heart, what you're passionate about, it represents the center of your emotions. Passion determines where you're, you serve. You may have a passion with children. If you work with adults, then that doesn't work. If you have a passion for adults and you work with children, that does not work. When I got started in youth ministry, it's because I had this passion to reach out to teenagers and help them grow in Christ because I never got that when I was a teenager. And I thought, somebody needs to step in and teach these folks about Christ. And, and then I looked in the mirror and I felt like God was saying, you're that somebody. You need to be the one who steps in and teaches youth about Christ. 
So then we said, God gave you some natural abilities. What role does God... God looked at your life when you were in the womb, and he said, what role do I, do I want him or her to play? And then based on that answer, God gave you some natural abilities. And what we say all of the time, if you're good at something, whatever you're good at doing, you should be doing that in the church. And we've started a single mom's ministry, and now we have... Um, I, I may miss them. We've got plumbing, we've got electrical, we've got air conditioning, we've got small engine repair. All of these folks in the church said, I will do this for single moms because we want, it's something that we're good at. It's something that, that we are passionate about. We will do this for single moms because we want to help them out. Um, physical therapy, I missed that one. Counseling, we even, uh, counseling as well. So we've had all of these individuals in the church say, this is something that I'm good at doing. I will offer what I'm good at doing to the church, specifically single moms ministry. So, and, and if we don't have a ministry where your talents fit, guess what? You get to start one. Then we looked at your personality. God wired you a different way, and we had so much fun at my small group figuring out these, these personalities. Whenever I described a lion, otter, beaver, and retriever, some of you recognized immediately what, you, what your personality was, and others of you, you got sore ribs because you were being poked in the rib. That's you, that's you, that's you, you know. And then at our small group, it was funny because we, we sat around, we took the little personality profile, and we had one lion. If you were to guess in my small group who the one lion was, who would you guess that would be? Me, yes. And then we had, um, oh, I, I forgot, I wrote it down. We had uh, two otters, 12, or 10 or 12, I don't remember. 10. We had 10 golden retrievers. And I said, I laughed. I said, never in the history of the world have 10 golden retrievers gone anywhere together because they're one-on-one people. 10 golden retrievers in our group. And then I think there was four um, beavers in our group. It was the funniest thing, listening to everything, and people going, oh, I understand now why they don't get me. Or I understand why I don't get them. You know, we figured all of that stuff out. And we figured out that, that no two people are exactly alike. God has a sense of humor. That's why he made you. That's why he made me. Because he has a sense of humor. And he, he doesn't want us to take our lives too seriously. So the last part we're going to look at today is experiences. So spiritual gift, heart, ability, personality, experiences. And I wanted to spend today's talk on experiences. Um, because here's what I want you to realize. Your greatest message is going to come out of your greatest hurt and regret. God doesn't usually work through your strengths. He usually works in your weaknesses. And when you're honest about your weaknesses, God will use that to give you a connection point with another person to lead them into Christ or to to comfort them in their time of need. Because here's what I want you to to realize. Your, Your best lessons are the hardest lessons, and God never wastes an experience. We waste them, but God never wastes an experience. And, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I have to read these two verses here. Romans 8, 28 and 29. We, we pulled these apart several weeks ago, but here's what it says in the New Century Version. We know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. They are the people he called because that was his plan. God knew them before he made the world, and he decided that they would be like his son. What these verses say, I always have to tell you this, it does not say that everything that happens to you is good. It does not say that everything that happens to you, God causes it to happen. What it says is, whether good or bad comes into your life, God can use that to make you look like His Son, Jesus Christ. And that was His plan before the beginning of the world, to use good and bad stuff to chip off the rough edges so that you and I look more like His Son. He wants us to bear the family resemblance. I'm walking around, and, and we had people from all over the United States come to the funeral um, aunts and uncles, and, and, and all of them kept saying, man, you look like your daddy, and, I, and I'll take that. And then my brothers are like, and he acts like him too, and I said, man, that's all right. I, I consider that a compliment, because my dad was a man of integrity. My dad was a servant. My dad was a worker, and, and so you tell me that I look like him, and I act like him. That's okay. 
I'm, I'm goofy like him too. He was one of the goofiest men around, and, and so I like that too. Um, so God's saying he's going to make us look like Jesus. You have been shaped by all of your experiences, and you have to learn from them. And, and most of them, quite honestly, most of our experiences were out of our control. But it doesn't matter whether we cause the pain and suffering in our lives or someone else caused the pain and suffering in our lives because our perfect Heavenly Father allowed us to go through those things so that when we're on the other side, we can look more like Jesus. And really, if you want to pray anything for me and my family, pray that we'll come out of this looking more like Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you on Wednesday, when, when the First Baptist Church, I don't know how many it'll seat, but, but there, there's at least five or 600 on the bottom floor. The bottom floor was packed, and there were folks up in the, in the balcony. And uh, the... The funeral director, we've known him for years. He actually went to school with my oldest brother, and, and he told the story of he was, my mom saved him from jumping off our roof with a little parachute, you know, those little men in the parachute. They were going to try it when they were like six years old. And so Jake said, um, your mom actually saved my life many years ago. And I, I looked out and I said, man, there's a, there's a big crowd today. And he goes, it's been a long time since this church has seen this many people. And we got to declare who Jesus Christ is. We got to talk about some wonderful people, but we got to talk about how you can be there with them. And that was the whole purpose of the gathering. And it was awesome on Wednesday. Um, no matter what you go through, God can use that to make you look like Christ. So I want to challenge you right, real quickly to think about five different types of experiences. We're going to fly through these uh, because I've got some other things I want to share with you. First is family experiences. How many of you had some good experiences when you were growing up in your family? Four of you. How many of you had some bad experiences? That better be the rest of you. Well, right, we have good and bad, and God wants to use those things to help you. Um, some folks are still trapped in their past, but God wants to free you from your past and allow you to reach out to somebody else who's going through the same thing. Number two, educational experiences. What were your favorite subjects in school? What were, you, what were your least favorite? God's not going to call you to do your least favorite. I don't know where people got this idea that God's going to call me to do something I hate. What kind of God do you serve? Now, I'll, I'll be honest. When I was 17 and I said, God, I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll do music, but I'm not going to preach. I actually thought preaching would be worse than leprosy, you know, worse than, than dying, you know, a painful death. I, I thought preaching would be bad. There's nothing I would rather do now. And in fact, when we were sitting at the funeral home, the, the funeral director said, who's, who's going to do this? And I said, I don't know about my brothers, but I'm talking. And he goes, really, you can do that? And I said, heck yeah, I, I've been preparing for this for years. Um, and, and so I looked at my brothers and I said, y'all don't have to speak, but I'm talking. And they said, no, no, I want to say it. You know, and they said, how can you do that? It's because we know who God is, because we know that our parents were Christ followers. We could stand up there and declare, we're going to see him again. And so God can use all kinds of things. And he's not going to ask you to do something that you hate. Because I'm, I can tell you that when, if I had sat in the front row and had not shared, I would be miserable right now. Because God gave me a message that I was supposed to tell those people. Sure, my mom and dad and, and sis are gone, but, but it's not the end. Number three, vocational experiences. What jobs have you been most effective in and enjoyed the most? What have you done that people look at your work and they say, you are awesome at that? Whatever that is, that should give you a clue to what God wants you to do in, in the world. Number four is spiritual or ministry experiences. 
want you to look at your life and you say, what have been the most meaningful times of my life? When I look back, I was 17 years old, Salem Springs, Arkansas, at a youth camp. It's kind of funny because some of the guys were coming up to me afterwards and they're going, I remember you at youth camp. And, and I was a punk at youth camp. And so I didn't put up with people like me when I was a youth minister. I was like, dude, I will put your butt on a, on a bus and send you home. So you straighten up right now and meet Jesus or you're going to meet your parents. You know, that's how I dealt with it. These guys were laughing. They're going, yeah, we remember. We can't believe you're a preacher now. And I'm like, me either. You know, I, but my most meaningful experiences came at camp, came on ski trips, came at ministry times where I've been at conferences where God has clearly spoken to me and said, this is what I want you to do with your life. And the more clearly defined your goals are and, and your direction, the more effective you can be because you're doing what God called you to do. And also, you know what? When you're clearly defined, then when people start saying things about you, you just blow them off because I don't have to please them. I have to please my heavenly father. Um, look what it says in Romans 1.12. I mean that I want us to help each other in the faith, uh, with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. So you have to, at our church, we're trying to reach people who are far from God. And, and we're going to say this over and over and over again, that, that if we have to choose between someone who is far from God and someone who is already in the family of God, we're going to choose someone who is far from God because we believe it's unacceptable that anyone should go to hell. I used to say in some of the churches I've been at that we should have, and I got in trouble for this all the time, but I said we should put on our marquee out here, just go to hell, we don't care. And I, I tried to preach a sermon with that title, but they wouldn't let me. Um, because that's, that's the attitude we projected. Let's close the doors. Let's make sure all of us dress alike and talk alike and do, go to the same places. Let's do all of that while people go to hell, and I just can't handle that. So I don't want to be a part of that. And then the last one is painful experiences. Number five. Proverbs 20, 30 says, Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. What problems, hurts, thorns, or trials have you learned from? And I'm just going to tell you, it's this last category where God's going to give you your greatest ministry. I want you to say this. God never wastes a hurt. Look at somebody and say that. Now look at somebody else. Say, God never wastes a hurt. And I want you to believe that. Because the thing that you are most ashamed of in your past is what God wants to use. To, he wants you to unlock and be freed from your past. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if you share that with another believer. Now, probably most of you aren't going to stand up here and tell your story. But you've got to tell it to one other person. And see, the Bible's very clear. It says, if you want forgiveness from sins, you confess it to God. If you want healing from sins, you confess it to another believer whom you can trust. It's the principle of celebrate recovery. And we've seen it over and over. And what happens in celebrate recovery over and over, we've seen successes and we've seen a lot of failures. And I'm going to tell you, every time someone fails in celebrate recovery, it's because they get to step four, which says, do a searching and fearless moral inventory of my life. People get there and they say, it's too much. It hurts too bad. I can't do it. And they go off. And you know what they go off and do? exactly what they've been doing before. And there is no healing. There is no freedom. They do the same thing until finally they get either, either they completely destroy their lives or they hit rock bottom and they say, I've got no other place to go but up, right? So we've got to be honest about those experiences. If, and if God's going to use them, then you've got to be willing to share them. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.4. This is from the Living Bible. 
God wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy, sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. When you humbly and honestly admit your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups to other people, people will be drawn to you. They won't be repelled. See, that's what we think. We think, if I share my deepest, deepest darkest secrets, they're going to run. But I'm going to tell you some of the most holy times I've been in has been in a small group, either in someone's home, or I got to tell you some of the stuff that came out when I was a small group leader in Celebrate Recovery. You could sense the, the Spirit of God standing in our midst when people opened up and said, well, here's what I'm struggling with. And rather than be repelled, I saw men walk over and say, dude, that's the most courageous thing I've ever seen in my life. I admire you for opening up. And they, they would hug, and if that freaks you out, then I'm sorry. Um, men, if you know, you're freaked out by hugging somebody else, you need to, to get over it. Um, because it was some of the most incredible stuff I've ever seen. Here's the deal. Forgotten experiences are worthless. Those things that you hide behind, uh, hide back there and, and try to sweep under the rug, they're worthless. But shared painful experiences encourage others much more than when we brag about our strengths. Galatians 3, 4 says, were all your experiences wasted? I hope not, is what Paul says. See, the Bible is a, is a series of stories about real people with real problems who met a real God who had real power to change them. The people who chose to focus on God in times of weakness, we consider them heroes of the Bible. And the people who refuse to admit their weaknesses, we call them the fools of the Bible. So you've got to decide which one do you want to be in. You have to let God do something worthwhile with your pain. Problems, you have a choice. Problems can either make you bitter or they can make you better. And I've seen way too many people get bitter. And that's not, that's why the church is, is declining in the United States is because we're filled with bitter people who are not being changed by a supernatural God because we won't let him. So you don't need to be embarrassed about what's in your past and you don't have to share it in front of everybody. But you have, but you have to share it with somebody if you want to get well. I, uh, I found a video, and we've been kind of showing you several things because, man, I've been blown away by how many people are saying that their lives are messed up and they're hurt and they're having trouble getting over hurt. This is by the skit guys. They're come, a couple of my favorite um, drama guys, and this one is called Baggage. Watch this. You've heard the saying, he's carrying a lot of baggage from his past, or avoid her. Baggage. But think about it. I mean, baggage, it's, we get it from other people, the things that they do to us or say to us. And if we carry those memories around, in essence, we carry baggage. We begin collecting baggage when we're just little kids. There you are. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey I need to talk to you. Yeah, what? Well, um, we were talking about building the, the treehouse. Yeah, yeah. I, I love treehouses. Yeah, it's just a thing. Um, see, you can't help us build the treehouse. Why? Well, you don't really want me to tell you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, we were talking, uh -huh. um, um, the gang, we were talking, and, yeah. um, well, you're too fat. What? You'll weigh down the treehouse. I'm not fat. Yes. No, no, yes. I'm not. No, no, uh, Mommy just says I'm big bone. Dinosaurs are big bone. You're fat. No, no, no. Mommy says I'm chunky. <laughs> Peanut butter's chunky. You're fat. No, no, no. no. Mommy says that I've lost weight. I think you found it. No, no, no. Mommy says I'm just different. <laughs> Your mommy says you're just different? Yeah, I'm just different. <laughs> go back to where you came from. I gotta go. Bye. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. 
It's one of the biggest lies we teach children. Words hurt, they cut deep. And if we carry around the words of other people, essentially what we do is, we're collecting baggage. You see, we can't, we can't find our self-worth based on what other people think of us. We have to find our self-worth based on Christ and our relationship with Him. But it doesn't seem to be that easy. And as life goes on and we get older, we just tend to collect more baggage. Sometimes we pick up baggage from people who are very close to us, like a best friend. No, I, I know. I know, Shelly. I know. It's like we talked for three hours and it seemed like five minutes. I know, I know, I know. It's like we have this amazing connection, this chemistry. Okay, I'm just going to say this, Shelly. I've never said this to anyone in a really long time. Um, but I, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're my density. I really, really do. No, you're right. You're my, you're my destiny. That's what I meant. You're my destiny, right? I'm just so false. Hey, he's right here. I got to go. Okay, bye. Hey, buddy, what's up? How much are you talking to? Um, um, talking to my mom. Your mom's your destiny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she gave birth to me and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kudos. Really? Yeah. Because it sounds like you said Shelly. Yeah, um, that's her, that's her name. I thought your mom's name was Kelly. That's her middle name. Your mom's name's Kelly Shelly? Yeah, yeah. And she was picked on a lot when she was a kid, so I just really tried to encourage her all the time and tell her that I love her. What's wrong with that? Okay, I mean, okay. Great thing uh, whatever, do. whatever. Did you talk to my Shelly? Yeah, I did. Um, and? She's not... She's not going to be your Shelly. Look, we just started talking. We just, we just kind of hit it off. It just happened. I mean, what? we had this great chemistry. It just... No, 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 no. You were supposed to call her for me. I did. I started out doing that. I did. You no. gotta believe me. You're supposed to be my best friend. I, I am. Don't, don't let a girl come between us, okay? This I is didn't... Not a big... You did this. Look, man, you know I've liked her since we were in kindergarten, and you were supposed to talk to her for me. Yes, but but I've been your best friend since kindergarten, and we've always said growing up, best friends forever, right? Yeah, well, you know what? Forever just got a lot shorter. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's a you did this. You're supposed to be my best friend. And our friends, they're just trying to get through life the same way we are. And sometimes they're gonna make poor choices and we can either learn to forgive them or we can pick up more baggage. You know the truth about baggage is we don't need other people to load it on us. We do a pretty good job of dumping baggage on ourselves when we compare ourselves to others. We think things like, ah, oh, if I could be as popular as they are, if I could be as gifted and talented as they are, but I'm not, I'm a loser, I'm no good. And when we think that, we pick up more baggage. Or we find ourselves thinking, they have it made. And why is life so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm never gonna make it. And when we buy into that lie, more baggage and sometimes sometimes we pick up baggage from people who love us dearly they just don't realize that their words cut like a knife son hey dad what happened out there uh, um, the ball slipped the, the light just got in my eyes it was 
The lights got in your eyes. Yeah. You know that's what cost us the game, don't you? Yeah. The ball slipped. How many times have I gotten up in the morning before 5 a.m., before I go to work, to work on the stuff with you? Huh? There were scouts out there. You realize that? Dad, the ball slipped. The ball slipped. It did. I mean, what, what are you working Hey, coach. Huh? No. <laughs> Butterfingers, yeah. <laughs> we're going to work with them. Uh-huh. All right. See you later. Are you crying? No. Well, don't. Pull it together. People are watching. I want you to grab your stuff. I'm going to go to the car and I'll meet you there, all right? Dad, I'm just disappointed in you, all right? These were our dreams, right? Grab your stuff. And our parents, they don't mean to hurt us. It's just... They've got their own baggage. And when you don't deal with baggage, you pass it on. And for us, we have to learn to find our self-worth only in our relationship with Christ. And if we don't, we pick up more baggage. It gets uncomfortable, tedious. And our natural tendency is to want to dump this baggage onto someone else. but always backfires. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you doing in my room? I just need to ask you a question. What? Can, can you give me and my friends a, a ride to school? It, it, it's cold and I don't want to ride my bike. <laughs> what? Why are you really you, asking that? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Just give me a ride and some of my friends to school. You need to understand something. Just because you and your loser friends are in high school now doesn't mean I'm going to give you a ride, okay? Because look at me. You need to understand that when people look at you, they see a freak, all right? And if they know that I'm related to you, if they know we're brothers, they're going to think I'm a freak too, okay? And I'm not okay with that. So here's the deal. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, but I'm not going to be a chauffeur for you and your loser friends, okay? It's not my fault that Dad left. Why do you keep taking out on me? Whatever. No, you know I'm right. Okay. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're only sorry that I'm calling you out. Just ride my bike. I said I was sorry. I'll ride my bike. Come on. And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. And then there's that one, my sin, my secret sin. It's, um, it's cool. I mean, uh, I've got it under control. Who am I kidding? Most of the time it has control of me. And this is the way I live. And yet, I hear the words of Christ who says, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but th this doesn't really feel like abundant life to me. I, I, I can't walk straight. I, I can barely keep my balance. And then, and then I remember his words. 
Because Christ also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what I want. That's what I want. So I go to God. God, please, if you're willing, would you take this baggage from me? Because God, I'm miserable and I can't live this way anymore. Please take it. So I kind of figure that there's a lot of people here that, that have either never come to Christ and given him your baggage, or you give it to him and you pick it right back up, and you give it to him and you pick it right back up. So let's talk real quickly about how you can deal with your past. First thing is you got to give your heart to God. Quite honestly, the reason most of you, or some of you at least, have not discovered your shape for ministry is because you don't have the Spirit of God living inside of you. you you've given him your head, but, but God wants your heart. And so um, a lot of people will say, yes, I believe there's a God. I believe in the Bible. I believe this. I believe this. But when you look at their lives, their lives don't reflect it. I mean, because if you look at the life of Judas, Judas gave Jesus his time. He gave him his talents. Judas was the money keeper for the disciples. And we do not believe that Judas ever repented of his sin. So he didn't go to heaven. So it's possible to be very involved in a church, very involved in a ministry, and never have given God your heart. And that's the first thing. Around here we just say it has, you have to ask God to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. Romans 10.9 says it this way. If you use your mouth to say, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Number two, get it in your head that your sins are gone. We, we tend to stay in our past and we tend to feel guilty about our past when God is calling us to look to our future. Um, our theme verse for our church is 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. God gives you a fresh start. And here's the deal. God cleans you up from the inside out, not from the outside in. You cannot make yourself acceptable to God. You just have to present your life to God, and He cleans you up. Number three, discover and live out your God-given shape. No one can do it for you. And here's the thing. A lot of people want to be great in the kingdom of God, but, but let me tell you how you define greatness in the kingdom of God. Greatness in the kingdom of God is not by how many people serve you. It's how many people you serve. The more people you serve in the kingdom of God, the greater you are in the eyes of God. Um, Jesus said in Mark 10, 43, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. What I told the people on Wednesday about my parents and my sister was that if you, if you look at the paths that people travel, it's very easy to figure out where they are headed, what's important to them. And, and I use the example quickly of just mine and Caleb's deer stands. Even though we hadn't been out there in about nine months, you could still figure out where our deer stands were if you just followed the paths. Because you could see, oh, well, that looks like a path. That looks like a path. It's real easy to find mine. And, and within five minutes, if you just followed the path, you'd find Caleb's deer stand. And so what I said was my mom and my dad and my sister followed two paths over and over and over again. From my earliest years, I remember going to family. 
We went to Lubbock. We burned up the roads to Lubbock when I had um, family there. And then we burned up the, Lu- the roads to Uvalde. And it burned up the roads when my, pro- my brothers moved to, to Dallas and then to um, Sulphur Springs and then to Houston and, and then to Austin. We were burning up the roads to family. My sister did the same thing. We, just, we thought it was normal that one of the paths of your life should be back and forth to family all the time. And the second place they went all the time was to church. We were, my brothers and I were sitting around. We remember that even when my dad was on strike, he worked for Phillips Petroleum. He was in a union, and they would go on strike for better wages or whatever. And, and I thought that was cool because daddy got to stay home during strike, but what that, that wasn't cool because that meant daddy didn't get any money. And even when we were on strike, dad would sit down at the, the kitchen table every Sunday morning and write out a check to the church. And I was telling my brother, I didn't understand why we had to pay to go to church, but, you know, I learned to give by watching my father. And my sister, they started listing all the things she did. She'd done children's choir. She was a nursery coordinator. She'd been to camps. She'd done all of this stuff, and she was always going to church. And the last job that she had at First Baptist Borger was she was the nursery worker, and she would post on Facebook on Sunday afternoon. She said, I am filled today because I got to hug some babies. I got to love on some babies at church today. And that allowed her, that allowed other people to, to hear the word of God without having to, to take care of their babies. And that is a huge, tremendous ministry. And so what I'm trying to get you to realize is that, that even more important than knowing your shape is having the heart of a servant. You see, some people, they're going to they're gonna come across a ministry and they're going to go, well, I'm not shaped for that or I'm not gifted for that. If you leave here today and you see someone in a car wreck on the side of the road, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to say, oh, sorry, I don't have the gift of mercy, can't help you. You're supposed to help, right? When you see a child in the lake that is drowning, you don't go running for a lifeguard. You don't go looking for an Olympic swimmer. You get in the water and you do something because lives are at stake. I got to tell you something. Spiritual lives are more important than physical lives. Because your physical life will end with your last breath on this planet. I'm I'm very aware of that. But your spiritual life, according to Jesus, lasts forever. And when we're talking about doing church, lives are at stake. And and see, I just... I hope that when, when my time comes, when, when, and, and we didn't even take the bodies. My sister said, you don't, don't you dare take my body to the church. Mom heard her say that, and she started thinking about it. She goes, you know, that's pretty cool. Let's not do that. So we had a graveside service, and then at the church, we just celebrated their lives. I hope that when it comes to my last days, that somebody stands up and says, man, his life was all about the local church, because that's the bride of Christ. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have patience for people who claim to be Christ followers, who say church doesn't matter. I I don't buy that. Because there's nothing that matters more. If Jesus is who he said he was, then what we're doing here is the most important thing on the planet. Does anybody else agree or am I just preaching to the wall? Right? All right. Let me just say this. Heroes are servants. It takes a servant to stand outside on a hot, 
cold, rainy, freezing, snowing day to shake hands with people who are coming in and out of the church. It takes servants to give up their time in here so that they can go back there and take care of children. Not just babysitting. We're not babysitting kids back there. We're introducing them to Christ. We're, we're showing the love of Christ. I was telling somebody that I remember the nursery at my very first church where we used to go, Fellowship Baptist Church, and then we moved to First Baptist when I was in third grade. But I remember going there, and I remember those people loved me. And I remember learning how to stick out my tongue in the nursery. I, I don't know why that stuck with me, but the lady just... And so I did it back, and they, she thought that was so cute. My earliest memories are of going to church, and I didn't know those people weren't related to me. <laughs> That's how much they loved me. And I just grew up thinking that the church was, was the hope of the world, because that's what Jesus taught. We have a couple of ladies that come up here twice a week, sometimes once a week, sometimes twice a week, and y'all never even see it. But they go back in there. Janie calls them craft angels or whatever. They go back in the back, and they, all they do is they, they uh, get stuff ready for Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. And most of y'all never even know that they did it. And they come up here with a joyful heart, and they do it over and over and over again so that we can be ahead in our children's area. And so that you don't just get your, your lesson on a Sunday morning. You should get it ahead of time. And we've got some ladies that enable us to do that. And and at times, we're eight to ten weeks ahead because two ladies give up two days a week. And when I say days, I mean a couple hours, two days a week to come up here and just do some things. That takes a servant. And in my eyes, they're heroes. Heroes are the ones who bring breakfast. Heroes are the ones that go to small group, that host small group. Heroes are the ones that go out of their way to serve other people. That's what the Bible says. And see, one of, one of the values of our church is that all people, all people matter to God, but nobody's ever going to believe it. If we don't start serving other people. A lot of us want to, we want to serve God, but we want to serve him in an advisory capacity only. God, let me tell you what you need to do in my life. God, tell, let me tell you what you need to do in her life. And God says, no, I don't function that way. And, and a lot of people, they would rather give money to the church than actually give their time. Because really, which one's more valuable, your time or your money? Can you make more time? No, you can make more money, even in this economy. You'll eventually make some more money, but you won't make more time. We need people who will give of themselves. Let me finish with this. There was an aqueduct I read about and read about it several times that the Romans built in 109, 109 A.D., outside the little city of Segovia in Spain. And it served for 1,800 years to bring water to the city. The Romans were incredible. Their, their architecture, uh, just they were way ahead of their time. Well, the city decided that it was kind of a relic, that they would make it kind of a museum piece, this aqueduct, and they stopped using it. Within just a couple of years, the aqueduct fell apart because the water quit running, because it quit serving, it quit doing what it was created to do, and it's no longer useful. You understand the parallel. God created you for a purpose. If you do not use your life for that purpose... Your life will fall apart, and you will not be used in the kingdom of God. Today, when you leave, there's going to be some things called shape sheets, and I want you to fill these things out, because what you're going to do is you're going to look at spiritual gifts, and I understand you don't know all of them yet, so you can take some guesses there, but you're going to look at what you're passionate about. You're going to look at your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. You're going to start writing that down. I want you to start sharing that with your small groups. My small group is going over to Jeff's for lunch, and if, if you don't have a group and you want to just get in one, Now's the time to do it. 
We're not having Sunday night. First Sundays of the month, we're just going to do something fun with our small group. So we won't have child care on the first Sundays at five. But your small groups has already, the small groups have already decided what they were going to do today. Ours is going to have lunch at Jeff and, and Teresa's house. So you're welcome to come and join us or get plugged into a group. But what we're going to do starting next Sunday night is we're really going to dig into these spiritual gifts to figure out what they are and where you're gifted so that you can begin using your gift for the glory of God. Um, not even going to do that last verse, but, but I just want to tell you this. A few years ago, Harris did a survey in the United States. And they asked people, how satisfied were you when you served? When they just volunteered their time for something that, that you know, you could have been cleaning the side of the roads, it could have been cleaning a park, whatever. They said, how satisfied were you giving your time to serve others? And, and it blew my mind because I've never, ever seen a survey where there was 100% satisfaction in the United States. 100% of the people said, I was very satisfied giving to a cause that was beyond myself. I think if you'll get plugged in and start to serve, I think your value, not only in the kingdom, but your own value of yourself will go up because satisfaction is guaranteed when you serve the body of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you for your love and your grace. I want to thank you that um, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead and because he said he is preparing a place for all those who follow him, that heaven is a real place that children of God get to go. So I thank you that my mom and my dad and my sister left a legacy and that they're there today. And, and I know I, I'm, I'm not morbid about it, God. I, I don't want to get there sooner than, than you want me to, but to live as Christ and to die as gain. As long as you give me breath, I will continue, Father, to build up your kingdom. But the moment I breathe my last, I can't wait to run down those streets of gold to see you and all those who've gone before us. Father, show us the absolute necessity to serve in the kingdom of God. We pray in your name. Amen.